Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Chicks Into The Pits. Uh, I'm here with Marty and excuse the background noise you might get, but as you probably know if you follow us on Instagram, we are currently in Monza for our first ever race back uh, in a paddock. So yeah, there's actually a race going on at the moment. Yeah, not much on the track to be honest, but um, yeah, I think that the pandemic kind of stroke a lot of teams, especially private teams. So uh, there's not actually a lot to see, but um, you know, it's cool to be back after so, so long. How long has it been? Yeah, honestly, for me, it's been like about nine months, nine months yeah. something like that. So yeah, honestly, we are just here, you know, uh, testing the waters, seeing how the atmosphere in the paddock uh, has you know, changed because it has changed a lot. Yeah. And we will delve into this uh, in the in this month's episode. Anyway, we're really going like uh, almost live with this episode, to be honest, because, yeah, we were waiting to be together again to to record and doing that here in the Monza Media Center is, of course, an amazing opportunity. So, yeah, the, the audio will probably not be great also because we are wearing masks at, at all times. Oh, yeah. Right. So, yeah, <laughs> but honestly, yeah, we're so, so happy to to be to be back. And honestly, this month has been amazing, particularly for GT and endurance racing. Yeah. Like at the, the moment of recording, yeah, you can hear the, the engines in the background. <laughs> of, of course you can. Anyway, at the moment of recording, of course, the 24 hour of Le Mans has been uh, last week. And at the moment, the 24 hours of the Nürburgring is still going after, you know, some rain disruption, some limited, like nine hours of yeah. rain disruption. <laughs> um, so, yeah, definitely a lot to talk about. Martina, do you want to start? Yeah, okay. So, uh, talking about Nürburgring, um, I mean, we had to cover, like, um, something last night. And it was actually crazy because, you know, just... Um, you know, you schedule a 24-hour race in Germany in, you know, at the end of September. It's not a great idea. I mean, it was pouring. Uh, it was crazy. There was so much water on track. You, I mean, we, we couldn't see anything from the onboards. So I actually don't know what the drivers were seeing. Yeah, I guess absolutely. they were seeing the absolute nothing nothing so yeah and it's crazy because uh, you know how much we love endurance racing and especially you know 24-hour races but uh at some point in these scenarios it almost becomes impossible to see like you honestly feel bad watching because i mean you know us we're at the ninth episode of this podcast so you know uh how much emphasis we always put on safety and how you know entertainment must never be uh, a compromise with safety so yeah we honestly do not enjoy to see drivers putting themselves at, at danger so yeah it was also kind of a hectic commentary for us because it was like four hours of commentary and uh, right after you know coming back from from monza so it was basically back-to-back -back work um going going on again uh and yeah we we did our best and we gotta say that red flag was also kind of beneficial <laughs> because yeah. th that meant we went home earlier we went to bed earlier than yeah. we expected yeah we, we so, needed a lot of sleep to be honest yeah um like yeah. a 5 a.m 5 a.m wake-up call for yeah. both of us but yeah, so. that's how race weekend goes honestly <laughs> always yeah but you know that red flag 
yeah. I mean, yeah, they could have waved it earlier. They could have waved it a bit earlier, yeah. but uh, it was it was fine. Like they had to do it, in my opinion. It was impossible to to drive in those conditions. So. Yeah, I mean, it's almost very difficult because, uh, of course, a twenty four hour Nurburgring is very peculiar for so many aspects. Because um, in endurance racing, of course, we are very used to multi class racing because yeah. that's how it's done, and it's great because of that. But uh, at the Nurburgring, the classes are so many, and the levels of expertise are just so many that you know you start to understand that maybe a red flag is needed when the class leaders and the overall yeah. leaders start spinning around like we're talking about people like i don't know christopher Mies spinning rafael and marcello yeah. losing the 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 front and spinning like when people like that start to have difficulties handling the car, then you cannot expect, I don't know, TCR drivers or SPX drivers to, to follow suit. So yeah, that was definitely the wisest decision. And you know, on the topic of multi-class racing and then the, the safety of multi-class racing, I've had a very interesting conversation on that with uh, James Calado yeah. uh, before the 24 Hours of Le Mans, right after the, the Hyperpole. Um, basically, I've also, uh, you know, transcribed this conversation into an interview, of course, but it was in Italian, so I'm not sure how much of our podcast audience read that interview. Yeah. Um, but anyway, the point was that, uh, of course, in the in the WEC at Le Mans, uh, we only have four classes, and we can say that the truly gentleman driver class is only the GTAM. But particularly this year, we've had um, much more uh, participation from, you know, pay drivers, and that's the announcement for, <laughs> yeah, social distancing, masks, that's how the life in the paddock is these days. Um, but anyway, the point is, uh, the GTM class was um, specifically for gentlemen drivers for most of the time. But this year, uh, with so many teams also struggling financially, uh, basically pay drivers also kind of trickled up, not trickling down, yeah. trickled up to, I don't know, LMP2 classes. And honestly, like having gentlemen drivers and pay drivers in, uh, in prototype racing is certainly a, a very, very big risk to take. It's a gamble, to be honest, because, you know, prototypes have a very peculiar handling and um, in general, like the top speeds are higher. Uh, so the point was that uh, both uh, Calado and also other drivers, like, I mean, I, I spoke with him directly, so that's why I'm quoting him. But for example, Jimmy Bruni basically yeah. said the same thing uh, during the, the, press, the press conference. But basically, uh, some serious safety concerns are, are being raised uh, about paid drivers. Of course, this is what sustains customer racing and endurance racing for the most part like of course there are many many professional drivers but if there weren't any paid drivers like the the championships would not survive probably yeah. uh but also they they need to be trained properly and uh, you know the qualifying and race formats must be adapted to ensure that everyone is safe not only the professional drivers of course but the paid drivers themselves like they can be a risk to themselves as well yeah they can be a risk to, to themselves and to everyone else like around them so yeah I, I mean i couldn't see any other solution to be honest but i agree that it was quite dangerous i mean it could have been quite dangerous um so yeah but anyways, like, you know, as always, at Le Mans happened a lot of things. Um, and something that I, I mean, we 
quite didn't understand was the uh, COVID-19 protocols, which basically <laughs> did not exist. Yeah, that, um, was, that was absolutely Yeah, insane. and you might have heard that like nine Porsche uh, drivers were confined. Um, yeah. Because... Uh, Actually, I don't know if you noticed, Marty, but they haven't disclosed how many people were actually positive yeah. and if any of the drivers were actually positive they haven't disclosed that like yeah, they very i can understand why yeah exactly <laughs> they they only said that um you know nine drivers were uh, put in precautionary uh, isolation and therefore yeah. You know, they were also skipping the, the Nürburgring because uh, Le Mans yeah. and Nürburgring are back to back again. So an entire Porsche squad was actually withdrawn for the, from the race. And there were many uh, late, call, late calls and replacements yeah. for the race. So, yeah, they haven't actually disclosed the full picture, which is kind yeah. of sketchy if you think about that. Yeah, I, I was also like... I mean, I can't say that I was baffled because I was kind of expecting something like this. So, um, yeah, but something I'm really sad about is the fact that um, one of the drivers who uh, were put in isolation was Romain Dumas, who is uh, basically yes. one of my favorite drivers ever. She has a um, crush on him, but she doesn't want to yeah, admit don't that. Yeah, <laughs> don't say it. Don't say that. So, so yeah, I was, uh, I was quite destroyed when I heard that he wouldn't take part in the number ring because I really wanted to, to see him race there so yeah next time maybe yeah but anyway like it was a very big loss in general because yeah. of course they were the nine drivers actually being uh, fielded into the GTE Pro and partially in the GTM class in, uh, in Le Mans but of course those partaking in the DTM were basically the professional porta into DTAM. So actually the Nürburgring lost like nine professional drivers just like yeah. that, in the snap of a finger. So yeah, that was, you know, very, very d distressing to see, to be honest. And uh, again, like we cannot go into detail in um, of the um, Le Mans COVID protocols. At least I was told not to go into detail publicly about them. Uh, but anyway, they they weren't convincing, guys. They no. honestly weren't convincing. And if you follow me on Instagram, then you'll know that uh, I was actually actually accredited to Le Mans. But we 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 talked about this uh, earlier in other podcasts. Yeah, yeah I'm sure. So I was actually accredited to Le Mans, but. I took the decision to just withdraw the accreditation and forfeit it because I didn't feel safe. Like when the, the COVID protocols were revealed to us, I was like, are we sure this is the right <laughs> measure to take? And you, you know, France also proved that the, the handling of the situation at the moment uh, is not ideal. Yeah. So of course, like I understand you simply cannot cancel a race like Le Mans a week before no. the race because that would be insane like the amount of money being lost no, would be absolutely you know tremendous but also you know people reasonably feared for their safety and i know about you know more than one driver uh fearing for their safety at some point during during the weekend so yeah let's hope this doesn't happen again but to be honest uh, as far as we're concerned, as of now, I think that COVID protocols are working in most of the championships. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even for us, uh, I mean, we're here in Monza right now. We we had to face some serious protocols. I mean, they yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they they studied everything very well. I think. Um, yeah, they basically check your temperature 
every time you access a paddock, basically. Yeah, like you can be out for, I don't know, two 15 minutes. 15 seconds, yeah. And the other person, you know, the security control has seen you going in and out in like two minutes, but they're checking your temperature again. And I mean, we're absolutely fine by yeah, that, to Yeah, be I mean, they give you this wristband um, to, to prove that you, you pass the... the Help me. <laughs> the <laughs> the temperature checks. checks. The checks. Um, I'm sorry, I'm quite tired. Um, and yeah, I think they they did quite a good job. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, for some parts uh, parts of it, it's kind of a bit unrealistic. But at some, yeah. you know, at some point in this situation, we honestly prefer, you know, excess in safety than a lack of it. Absolutely. Like, yeah. For example, like me and Marty, usually when we do race weekends. Uh, we, we stay in the same house, which is usually Marty's house because she lives very close to Monza. So basically, I mean, we sleep in the same room. It's not like we need social distancing in the <laughs> yeah. paddock because, I mean, if we're I in the same social bubble, basically. Yeah, so. exactly. Like if one of the or the other has to, you know, get COVID from one of us, like <laughs> it, it will happen even outside of the paddock because, yeah, yeah we, we are in the same social bubble for, for this weekend. Uh, and we're still, you know, socially distanced here. You've probably uh, seen from the stories that basically there has um, in, imposed a two meter distance from each other into the media center, including the two of us. Like at this moment, we're like one meter apart and we're, we're getting side eyed quite a lot. Are uh, we? Yeah, we, you haven't noticed. <laughs> anyway, um, but honestly, yeah, I mean, we're in the same bubble, so uh, it's, it's not particularly an issue. But yeah, we're very happy that these measures are being implemented. Yeah, absolutely. Even if you think about the fact that this is a very small event compared yeah, to absolutely. many others, it's it's cool to see that they like to keep these, these protocols um, you know, well done anyways. So. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we, we, we're seeing, oh, some people got beached <laughs> into the track. <laughs> yeah, we, we have, you know, the, the, the screens over here with, you know, timing and GPS and whatever. I'm sure you've seen pictures of a, of a media center. So you yeah. know how that is. We're basically watching your formula open yeah, right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Quite a cool championship. Yeah, it's opinion. actually a cool championship. Uh, and it's Euro Formula Open, guys. And by the way, you know, check that out if you have um, if you have the chance to do so. Because honestly, many, many times over and over again, we've seen how, you know, uh, junior drivers going very up in the ranks have started from Euro yeah. Formula. Like only last year, we had uh, Liam Lawson yeah, here. Right. We had Yuki Tsunoda. Like... We have some serious, serious names in uh, in Euro Formula that you know become industry names like one year or two years after doing Euro Formula. So it's a yeah. very competitive championship. Yeah, it's cool because when when they do Euro Formula, you don't know who they're gonna become. Yeah, like exactly. Later. And then later you're you're like, oh my god, like, like he was I in Euro to him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But last year actually we we tried to get an interview with the Red Bull guys because like three of them were already into the the Red Bull racing. Program. Yeah, academy program yeah um and yeah i mean you've seen they've all progressed to f3 and f2 i think this year yeah. so so now they actually jumped a, a few ships because he's already in f2. Yeah. yeah yeah but he's but a very he's talented doing guy. good like yeah he's a very talented guy um anyway so we're, we were talking about the protocols 
Yeah, the thing is, um, we still have like more access than what you can expect in a in a world championship or any in an international championship that is yeah. bigger than this one. Like currently, of course, masks on and social distancing and whatever, but we have access to basically everything. And actually, our privileges have been upgraded from yeah. last year. Yeah, passes like, have been upgraded for yeah. for media, I think, in general. I, I'm not sure about media in general. Definitely for journalists. I yeah. think that photographers haven't already had, had something. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, I mean, they have the top everything. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, but anyway, yeah, the point is we have access to the pit lane, the boxes, the pit walls. So it's not like we have to be confined in the media center yeah. as many other championships are doing. For example, SRO championships, so the GT World Challenge and others um, are having, you know, some very strict social bubbles. So you wouldn't get this kind of access. But yeah, yeah honestly, we feel safe and you can be sure that we care about safety like yeah. we're not we're not going outside without masks masks and we're keeping social distance because yeah i mean both me and marty you know because honestly like this year this this podcast has been heavily conditioned yeah. by covid-19 like starting from episode three or episode two already yeah. we were three already maybe, yeah. yeah we were already discussing um covid-19 because honestly yeah in italy you know it arrived quite early and especially Especially in this region, in Lombardia, and uh, in my region as well, in Veneto. So yeah, our lives have changed a lot in the past seven months, yeah. and um, we really do care about it. And I think everybody should. should so yeah. please stay safe, everyone, and you know, d d don't be an idiot uh, going around <laughs> like no, no mask movement or whatever. No, wear <laughs> the mask, guys. Wear the mask. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but anyway, yeah, you know, I mean, what I was thinking about, mm. talking about disasters. Yeah. Do you want to say something about Mugello, maybe? <laughs> oh my God, Mugello. Like that, that was insane, guys. Like, do we, we want to talk about it? We haven't even discussed Formula One, but to be honest, there's so much to say about, yeah. you know, other categories. Like, you already know how we feel about Formula One in general. Of course, uh, we, we watch it and we keep up, but yeah. it's not like it's our favorite championship to, yeah, to watch Yeah, you're a bit more forward. cynical than me on this. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. You're a bit more sentimental about Formula One. Yeah, I am. I am. Yeah, I'm like, okay, if I'm missing a session, like... I can watch it. I mean, I, I know about the results anyway because yeah. the results are. I mean, are I can miss free practice because I've never watched it actually. Really? Yeah, I've never watched uh, it. No, I actually like free practice, but not three sessions. <laughs> yeah, I mean, one, one is enough, maybe. Yeah. Um, <laughs> for us, yeah. at least. Like for me, losing or um, not having the chance to watch qualifying or the race, as boring as they may be, it always. Uh, kind of strikes me because that, that's kind of my routine so when I can't do it it's so you know I have a Capricorn rising so obviously <laughs> she's obviously. back at it again with the horoscope and with astrology I need my routine guys I swear I cannot stand her anymore <laughs> and please please do not endorse this kind of of, of behavior please do like, we we always get our, our listeners into the, uh, the DMs going like oh yes please let Marty talk about astrology and I'm like no yeah i want to do it i want to do it yeah we should do like the the new year special about yeah. astrology like the, the end of year uh, yeah. horoscope 
yeah, something like that. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, she she's obsessed with it. I don't. She's actually it's it's actually actually trickled down on me a bit at this point. Yeah, I've affected I'm like, you. Yeah. yeah, I'm actually sometimes I'm like, oh yeah, I'm a classic Leo. Yeah, I don't really believe in that. Which, by the way, she is. Yeah, I, I'm pretty much of a stereotypical Leo to be honest. Yeah, but I'm also an ENTJ, and we we've talked about personality types before. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. An absolutely stereotypical Leo and ENTJ. Yeah. Anyway, we were talking about Mugello. Yeah, honestly, like the problem with Mugello is, in in my f- for my understanding ab- uh, about it is that basically race direction. So Michael Masi and the entire team had not much familiarity with Mugello. So basically, the safety car line and the start and finish line didn't precisely like work well together so what happened is basically like in the in the two restarts especially i think it was the second one marty when the big pileup yeah you know after a three-hour race i i can't remember what restart i can't remember but anyway uh after the the big pileup in the i think it was the second restart was basically caused by the fact that oh you you know what i think it was the first one or maybe because of the, the second first. one, they were Oh, it was calmer. because of that. <laughs> yeah. It was because of that. Yeah. So, yeah, it was the first restart. They were a bit calmer, like, yeah. let's take it easy. Yeah, <laughs> otherwise not kill there wouldn't other. have been another restart, yeah. thinking about it. So, basically, what happened is that, uh, of course, I'm gesticulating while I'm doing this because I'm Italian, come on. <laughs> <laughs> you cannot see that, but I am doing that. Um, basically, what happened is I think that the midfield got out of phase. Like... They didn't yeah. know whether to watch the uh, lights, the green light going off. And the problem is with uh, the the safety car line being at the start line yeah. instead of at the finish line. Yeah. Something like Baku, basically. Yeah, exactly. Like Baku. And the, the, I think the first year and the first two years in Baku were... It happened something. Yeah. yeah. The same thing. Uh, all similar. Uh, so, yeah, they went out of phase because they couldn't see uh, the people in, in front. front. You know, like... Uh, Bottas, go, I think exactly was. like going for the restart, uh, but the 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 lights were out of phase. So basically, what happened is they got caught in between uh, the the guys in the back who were looking at the lights. And so they got the green light like and they massively. were ac- accelerating. And the guys in front. So basically, yeah, it was like I don't know a light going out of phase. Yeah. So um, yeah, to be honest, like I, I didn't agree with uh, Michael Mazi's comments after the race. He was like uh, bashing the drivers for being very critical of the handling of the situation. Well, they were right. I mean, yeah, I think they it's were right. The drivers who recently lights. So yeah, exactly. Like sometimes they Leave can them be. Alone. Yeah, sometimes they can be apologetic, and I really yeah. don't like that attitude, but I yeah. really don't think that was the case, to be honest. No, no I mean, they they did a good thing, um, saying that the situation was handled poorly, basically, because... It was the truth, to yeah. be honest. So, yeah, Mugello was uh, absolutely insane. And actually, like, considering this is basically going up live, like, we've just seen uh, replays, because, of course, we're here in Monza, so... Not like we're following all the sessions, yeah. but we've seen replays of the huge shunt in Formula Two, yeah, between Aiken and, and Giotto. Yeah. Like that was scary, guys. That was absolutely scary. And to be honest, uh, I don't fo- follow Formula Two as closely as I do other categories, but uh, you know, I do keep up and I do watch the races. I just don't cover it as uh, as much. Yeah. Ooh, that guy. 
really oh, really do shoot. yeah sometimes in euro formula you know these kinds of things happen basically most of the race oh. is under yellow flags but anyway let's not get you know sidelined um what happened is it was a shunt i think at the exit of turn three yeah so they were already picking up speed and it was after a pretty intense duel between uh, giotto and uh, and Aitken. um and honestly i've heard about teams complaining about the Lara, which is doing the chassis, uh, because of reliability problems. And I honestly cannot, for the life of me, understand why you would complain to yeah. a chassis manufacturer for reliability problems. Like, yeah. that is Mechachrome's problem, right? They're doing the engines. Of course, it's a spec series, so they, they have the right to complain to uh, a chassis or engine provider, but yeah, I don't think I, I don't think it's the main problem. <laughs> yeah, honestly, that that is not the main problem. Sometimes we get you know reckless drivers in Formula Two without making any names, but yeah, we, you know, we have some of them. We we have some of them, and I think we can also all agree about who these names are. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I mean, it's not the case for Giotto and I. Can to be honest, they're also you know very seasoned drivers in Formula Two. I think yeah, Giotto's they been know here. How it works. Yeah, Giotto has been here, what, four years, five yeah, years? Lot. And Aiken, I think it's about his third year. Three years, yeah, something yeah, like so that. Like, something like that. So it's not like they don't know what they're getting themselves into. Uh, but I think that Dallara always proves like that safety is truly paramount. Like, honestly, the, Dal the Dallara chassis are really, really good. And thank God the, the barriers reacted how they should have of course the race won't restart because you know fixing those barriers now it's, it's yeah. kind of a long work they stopped it like at the fifth lap or something like that yeah fifth lap yeah no it, it was impossible to get to get everything yeah. back and into they wouldn't place. have made it in time basically yeah so. absolutely and you have to ensure that the stability and security of the barriers is always 100 percent um so yeah i think like for example thank god last year uh, after the spa crash and the death of antoine nobody came for the ladder because to be honest yeah. everybody recognized that was that, not the case yeah to, that was like to blame them like. that awful awful and i think that that's what kind of made it worse from a certain perspective because there was really no one to blame because yeah. it was one of those classic one in a hundred million chances yeah like it, it was quite if you think about it you can compare it to Senna's death it was I mean how many possibilities were there that that precise part would yeah. struck precisely the own the visor like yeah. the only penetrable part of the yeah, the, helmet, the, so. the thing is, like, it, it's it's a matter of physics. Like, I study law, to be honest, but I, <laughs> I was good at physics. Like, I had, you know, A marks. I don't know how they say it internationally, but basically I was very good at physics. So I do remember some of it. And the problem is, like, you cannot guarantee, uh, you know, rigidity, 100% rigidity uh, in, these kinds of, in these types of scenarios because... That would mean that no energy would be absorbed. Yeah. So basically, if you have a chassis that is 100% rigid, of course, I don't know about the, the technical terms for this. But anyway, if it is 100% rigid, so not fallible uh, in crashes and stuff like that, the thing is that if you crash, like the chassis remains intact but you die inside yeah. of it because yeah. you get completely scrambled and the entire you kinetic, absorb the energy basically. yeah the entire kinetic energy goes onto you so the thing is they have to make like a i don't know 90 
80% stability to guarantee that much of elasticity yeah. to absorb the energy. It would and be more dangerous the other way around. So. Yeah, exactly. So there's that one in a hundred million chances, and that was Antoine's chance, yeah. unfortunately. But yeah, I think they proved once again today that, I mean, both Luca and Jack uh, walking with their own uh, legs yeah. outside of the car was an amazing result. So, Marta, I think the race is almost over, so we have to yeah. get back to work, actually. Yeah, we have to. Yeah, that was a, this was a, ple uh, a pleasant, you know, distraction yeah. for the moment. Yeah. So, um, guys, thank you so much for tuning in again. This has been a slightly shorter episode, but, you know, I, I'm sure you, you can understand. I mean, yeah, exactly. And I'm sure you can also like enjoy the sound of the engines in the background. I'm, I'm sure you're going to appreciate that, yeah. even if they disrupt audio quality a bit. Yeah, um, I mean, it's already disrupted normally. So. Yeah, exactly. It's not like we have, you know, professional equipment anyway. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, thank you very much for tuning in. And we'll see you on October 27, as usual, for episode 10. Yeah, thank you for listening and goodbye.